When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com slash Boost. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. It's a Friday afternoon, and I... Hope everyone is well and doing fine, getting ready for a nice summer weekend. We don't have that many summers left in the weekend, so please go out, have a great time, but be careful. And remember, if you drink, don't drive. My guest uh, this first hour of the Exxon is a gentleman that uh, we've had the pleasure of talking to several times. Peter Wolford is his name. He joins us from the United Kingdom. Peter is the author of The Genesis Grid. Said he used to search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And uh, Peter's website is www.genesisgrid.co.uk. And Peter, it's always a great pleasure having you with us. How have you been to my good friend? And, and did you get to see any of the Olympics that were actually happening in the UK? Yes, uh, Rob, I saw quite a few of them. And it was very enjoyable to see the athletes who were very sort of enthusiastic and uh, pleasantly spoken people, unlike some of our so I think they were a terrific uh, advertisement for the UK. Well, that's great, Peter. I was wondering if you could give our listeners, uh, some of who have just joined us over the last couple of weeks since your last uh, visit with us here, about the pattern you claim that is hidden in the Bible. Yes, a very brief overview is to really point out the eclipse, which is where it is centered on. And uh, Isaac Asimov uh, described the eclipse as the strangest coincidence imaginable. It's actually a double coincidence because not only does the disk of the moon fit precisely over the disk of the sun, it does so in a way that it relates to a round number, the number Mm -hmm. 400, because uh, the sun is 400 times wider and uh, 400 times further away than the moon, and that is what produces the effect. But you could produce the same effect if it was 323 or 521, but it just happens to be that very round number. Um, and the other aspect, which you will be aware of, is the uh, Bullinger, uh, the uh, theologian who found uh, that in the Bible, the two leading personalities are tagged with the numbers 7 and 11. And through astronomical knowledge, we can see that the moon and the sun are also tagged with the same numbers, 7 and 11. Now, Peter, you've also related uh, the discoveries of the Genesis Grid book to the current economic crisis in Europe. And I must say, Peter that uh, you and I once uh, talked about the, the, the German influence 
And it's only been this past week, Peter, and and, and I spoke to about you to many of my friends and fellow uh, media people here in Canada, that our Prime Minister Harper tried to strike up a secret accord with uh, the German Chancellor in, right. in you know in 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 uh, in when, while preparing for the EU free trade agreement that Canada is trying to put forth. Yes, I'm not surprised at the secrecy, Rob. Um, everything to do with the EU is cloaked in uh, secrecy, double dealing, mm-hmm. and frankly, if I may say so, hypocrisy. Uh, they're very, very keen to conceal their true agenda. Actually, the president of the EU, a chap Jose Manuel Barroso, who was actually a rather open chap, right. he said back in 2007, he made a big gaffe because he wasn't supposed to say this. He said, he said uh, that we now have in the EU, what, and this is his words, what we have is the first non-imperial empire. Now, that really rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. Now, one of his spokesmen immediately shot out and said, actually, don't worry, everybody. Nobody needs to have imperial nightmares. The EU member states came together peacefully, democratically, and voluntarily. Of course, that's totally untrue. We were shanghaied into it. Um, And we were lied to by our own politicians. Um, Anybody who's followed the EU story knows that it's absolutely drenched in deceit uh, hypocrisy and craftiness. Unlike, open. Yeah, un- sorry, un- unlike your book, which is very well done, it's an honest interpretation, and startling revelations can be found in the pages of the Genesis Grid, www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Peter Wolford is the author. He's my guest of this hour. And Peter and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. In two minutes, as the Exxon continues from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. The website is www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Here's a question, Peter, and I don't ever think I've asked you this. What does uh, Her Majesty say about the EU and the economic crisis? Well, back uh, when it erupted in 2008, the Queen actually went public. Now, she never, this is the amazing thing, you know the Queen's a very, very um, restrained person and very impartial and never intervenes in public affairs at all. But on this occasion, she put her head above the parapet and she said, Oi, excuse me, why didn't any economist um, warn us? that this was on the way, that this crisis was on the way. Exactly. Good question, you know. And the truth is that although we have had some pundits and commentators who were warning about the overheating of this or that, 
nobody has remotely predicted an economic crisis of this scale. I mean, as you know, people like Ben Bernanke have said this is bigger than the 1930s. That's right. You know. So this is absolutely mega. And the relevance to my book was that you may recall that uh, at the beginning of my book, I do introduce um, an interesting event in 2003 where there were eight power cuts over a very short period of time spaced around the globe. And Mm -hmm. it's quite astonishing because if you actually Google power cuts and you go through them painstakingly, which I have done, you'll see that there's this cluster, very tight cluster of mega power cuts. We're talking about the biggest power cuts in history, the blanking out of the entire um, Roman Peninsula, over 50 million people in darkness, the blanking out of New York and states right across to Detroit and up into Canada. Um, These were the biggest power cuts ever. There were eight of them around the globe, and they came within 44 days. I thought that was so remarkable that I recorded it, and and I didn't, you know, I hadn't made the discovery of my book at that time, but I was just astonished to see all these power cuts. London was blacked out. And uh, places in Europe, um, Georgia, huge power cuts, Kuala Lumpur, places that they never, ever normally occur in, because mm-hmm. Kuala Lumpur, for example, has brand new electrics, uh, electric system. So when I saw these strange power cuts, I made a note of them, and I saw that actually they do describe a figure of eight across the planet, you see, which I thought, well, this is remarkable. So then I had the vague idea that there might actually be a figure of eight in time. And I'll tell you why I had this idea, because the last power cut was in Rome, affected the whole of Italy, um, and it was right bang in the middle of of a pattern in the Bible, a pattern of religious observance days. I can't go into too much detail without visual aids here. Sure. But suffice it today, it seems, suffice it to say, it seemed a very significant date. So the astonishing thing was that I saw that actually the Northern Rock, which was our bank in the UK, uh, where we had the first bank run in over, national bank run in over 140 years, where people were literally queuing in the night to get their money. This was actually the trigger that set off this greatest of all economic crisis. And we're talking about, you know, people like Charles Bean, deputy head of the Bank of England, saying this is the greatest economic crisis in the whole of history, nothing to compare to it. And it was set off in England, and it was set off by a bank called the Northern Rock, and it was set off exactly to the day, to the hour, actually, in the night, four years after the Pope, and Italy was blacked out on the last of the eight power cuts. So there's always this pattern of eight. I thought, well, there's two equidistant points in time there, four years. And I asked the question, and I actually put this in my book, and it's there, the question is posed. What will happen four years later? Will there be a figure of eight in time, you know, three mm-hmm. equidistant nodes separated by four years in each direction over a span of eight years. It was just a question, but I said, I think there will be a pattern. I think this is so powerful, this can't be coincidence. So that's why I was looking very carefully to see what would happen on the 29th of October last year. And sure enough, there were some very, very powerful events to do with the expansion of Europe into, um, they had a conference in Warsaw, they did the big vote for the 211 billion euros in the Bundestag in Germany to to release that money, that was the first and only big tranche of money going in, real money, not printed money, taxpayers' money going into a rescue fund for Europe. It happened on that very day, the 29th, and then within an hour, Angela Merkel was on on, on a plane to Warsaw. What were they doing? They were planning, they were having a big meal with all the heads of state of Europe. It was, there was no published agenda. It was a secret meeting. And the next day, 
they expanded the EU in two directions, leftwards into North Africa, where Catherine Ashton went to um, uh, Tunisia to do a deal with the Tunisians, and into the east, where they were having the conference about bringing in Azerbaijan and all these ex-Soviet kind countries into the EU to expand it. So far from the EU collapsing, the EU is getting bigger and stronger. Whatever we read in the newspapers, have to take it with a pinch of salt. Now, now Peter, is it... As I'm listening to you talk, and uh, you're talking about the expansion of the of the EU, is the EU the actual one new world order that we've been hearing about? Well, I'm inclined to think that it's perhaps the most... It, it is really the most important element, and it's not generally considered to be so, because everybody's afraid of China. Yeah. Everybody's obviously very preoccupied with false flag operations. You know, we've had all the release of information from the 1950s about American false flag operations recently under... I don't know why this information was released, but we have laws in this country, and I imagine they do in the USA, uh, to release information after a certain amount of time. It's quite well known and apparent that there are false flag operations. A lot of people think that 9-11 was. Some people think the London bombings were Mm -hmm. a false flag operation to give the pretext to governments to do what they want to do. Um, The... This idea, the Alex Jones concept of, you know, the new world order, I'm inclined very much to believe in that. I think there is a conspiracy. World leaders are doing things behind the scenes that we don't know about. And I think the big summit on the 29th of um, October last year, completing this most mysterious and strange figure of eight, which I could never have dreamt of in my wild imaginings if it hadn't been staring me in the face, I think that had a great deal to do with it. And yes, I do think that Europe is going to be the biggest thing in the future affecting this world. And in fact, I think that while we all like a quiet life and to see our grandchildren grow up in a peaceful world, um, I think Europe is going to bring the most awful catastrophe uh, on, on the, onto this, this, this world within you know, maybe, I don't know, 20 years. Who knows? It's always a guessing game to know how quickly things will happen. But... They're not ones to waste a good crisis. Yeah, and yeah. they're using Sorry? You know, it's, it, it seems as if history has an eight-year cycle of repeating itself. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a cliche, isn't it? They say, you know, if you don't learn the lessons of history, you're, 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 you're fated to, to repeat them. Yes. Um, uh, Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, yeah, there are a lot of echoes from the 1930s. I think that one of your own professors, in fact, uh, John David Dershowitz, I think his name is, uh, he's a Canadian professor of history. I think he's in Toronto. But Dershowitz says that uh, Ahmadinejad is the Hitler of the 21st century. That's what he says. And we're also so, watching tens- tensions rise dramatically between Israel and Iran with experts around the world saying... Israel is going to do a first strike on Iran before the U.S. presidential elections. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much of this speculation about it for so long. But the interesting thing to me is that Ahmadinejad, now he got into power in uh, March 2003 as mayor of Tehran. And he had been the student leader running the uh, uprising Mm -hmm. where they took over the American embassy in 1978, leading to the ousting of Jimmy Carter. He was the guy running that show. And all these years later, he comes back and becomes president of Iran. Three months after he became the mayor, he became the president. 
And that was at the very time that the, the Americans were going into Iraq, and he yeah. had got that job as a, as, a, as a direct result of that invasion. But he's, he's been in power ever since, and people are saying, oh, you know, Ahmadinejad's falling out with this leader, he's falling out with that religious leader, you know, but he's hung on. He's been there now for nearly, he's been there now over nine years. Yeah. And he doesn't look like leaving anytime soon. No, no, he doesn't. But what it shows is that if you get the kind of person that he is at the helm, whether your religious philosophies used to hold so much clout with the previous head of state, that it, when it changes at the top, it has the tri- trickle effect that we're seeing in Iran today. Yeah, I mean, I think they're very set on their path. Yeah. The, they're all very much of a, of a mindset. They're very much uh, willing to use even the rape weapon against their own populations to keep them subdued. Um, and they have done that, and they have tortured, and they have uh, threatened people with the most dreadful things if they don't comply. As you know, they did have an attempted green revolution or some such revolution in Iran mm-hmm. before the eruption uh, of the Arab Spring. Uh, it was an entirely you know, one-off event, if you like, in Iran, but it was brutally repressed. So, I mean, he's done... You know, he, he is better at, at suppressing unrest than even Assad in Syria is. Uh, he was very successful. And that's why I think when I look at what Ahmadinejad has done to suppress dissent and what these other guys have not been able to do mm-hmm. in the Arab countries, um, it shows you just how uh, enduring his rulership is. And he's like a sort of a modern-day Stalin. But I think the really interesting thing about Ahmadinejad is the language, the fact that it is the language of the 1930s. It is the language of Hitler. It is the language of, you know, the extermination and vilification of, of of minorities. We're seeing a lot of unrest in the Middle East. We have the on continuing uh, oh, massacre of, of, of civilians in Syria. We've got Egypt that is finally seeming to get under control. We have the conflict that is that is boiling between Israel and Iran. We've got the economic crisis in the EU. We have the the economic crisis in the United States and Canada. It seems that this world, my friend, is going to to hell in a hurry. And you and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break to talk more. Peter, it's always great talking to you. Okay. And by the way, congratulations. You're going to be a granddad shortly. Yes, it's very exciting. Very Excellent. Exciting Thank you, Rob. Peter, stand by, friend. We'll be back on the other side of the news break. Peter Wolford is my special guest this hour, Exxon Nation, a good friend of the Exxon. www.genesisgrid.co.uk I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi... 
You can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Peter Wolford is my special guest of this hour. And Peter is the author of The Genesis Grid. And his website is www.genesisgrid.co. Dot UK. Um, Peter, uh, you know, we, we talked about the, the conflicts that are growing worldwide, and it seems to be there's, there's total unrest everywhere. You know, we've got the pollution problem in China that is affecting North America. Uh, we've got the overpopulation in certain Asian countries that are starting to be a concern to the rest of the world. We're running out of food. We're running out of water. And you know what really, really boils my blood is to think how much money is being spent on sending crap to Mars instead of on the problems here on Earth. Uh, you know, what is your opinion, Peter? I've never asked you this on the on the space program. And should we spend point uh, two point nine billion dollars on getting something on Mars? Well, I, I have to say I do rather admire the people who are doing this, and uh, it sounds like a lot of money, but we printed trillions of pounds to save ourselves from bankers who were running banks very badly. Mm-hmm. They were borrowing short and, and lending long, weren't they? And then when the money markets dried up, their bank collapsed. That's what happened to us in the UK. And even humble UK has, has had to print, in effect, many, many billions of pounds just to rescue us from their stupidity. But uh, And, of course, it hasn't worked. So I don't know that I, I really totally agree on that. I rather admire what these people are doing with their relatively small sums of money. And so far as the world's starving and all the rest of it, look, most of the time we're just not using the resources we've got. If you look at this country, we've only built, we've only built on 1% of the country. Wow. 99% of it is still available. We could build millions of houses. We've got millions of unemployed people. We have the know-how. We have the, the natural resources in terms of materials. We could build everything we want, and we could grow a lot more food than we do. But we don't. Why? Because we're, we're paralyzed as a country. We just can't run things properly. So I don't really think that cancelling um, trips to Mars is going to, 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 to really solve anything. No, but if you were to take all the, all the knowledge and all the engineering and science that goes into the lunar or the, the Mars mission and, and con- take, that, take, that, take those scientists away from going onto a planet and having them concentrate on this planet... I, you know, like, if you can put a car on Mars, I'm sorry, but something tells me you can also find an alternative for the fossil fuel crisis that we're having right now. Yes, I mean, but I think 
what the problem there is corruption, isn't it? Vested interests controlling government policy. But that has to that brings up the question: What is the corruption that's involved with the Mars missions? Because if there's corruption within the fossil fuel industry, there has to be a greater alternative, uh, not an alternative, but a greater uh, cause on why they're going to Mars than just to find out whether or not life was there or not. It's difficult to know. You know I'm not an insider, but yeah. I think that uh, curiosity is one of the greatest driving forces in human nature. I think one of the reasons they're going is they want to find life. And I think one of the reasons they want to find life is that they would like to deny the possibility that there may be higher powers that have either created the human race or that have in some way set up our environment here on Earth. Uh, whether that's a god or deity or deities or aliens of any kind. A uh, recent question we discussed a few months ago was uh, Richard Dawkins' comment that yeah. the first living cell probably came from an alien, somebody who'd evolved in another planet and brought a living cell down here to make us, um, in which case who gave them their first living cell. But you see, the point is, I think that part of the drive to find life is really a subconscious desire uh, to resist the idea of a creator or an alien power or anything that might have, might have uh, be superior to the human race. They're hoping to find little bugs crawling around on Mars so they can say, well, there you are life evolved on this planet. But actually, I was reading some material someone passed me last night about uh, scientific quotes of scientists who are opposed to evolution. And while I'm certainly not one of these people in the mm -hmm. world 6,000 years old, because it's very obviously billions of years old, and the universe is billions of years old, um, I am inclined to think, as uh, Richard Dawkins thinks, that there must have been some kind of outside intervention to create life on this planet. So maybe that is one of the reasons that they have this drive to go to other planets. But I, I still think that the solution to our problems on this planet in terms of economics and food production are to do with corruption, to do with the lobbying of politicians by vested interests, particularly um, multinational companies. Unfortunately, the multinationals are now more powerful than the politicians. Peter, in, in your book, The Genesis Grid, which, which by the way, I've read, you, you mention the Catholic Church quite a lot. If this is about the Bible pattern, where does the Catholic Church and the Vatican fit in? Well, this is a very good question, because in fact, as you will know from your vast experience of speaking to people and reading books over the years, as well as from my own book, that the Catholic religion has mm -hmm. uh, very little to do with the Bible. You know, it might have... Um, use some of the names and personalities from the Bible, right. but, you know, if you take the range of doctrines, you know, Trinity, Sundays, Easter, the immortal soul, heaven and hell, Mary worship, you know, all these things have nothing to do with the Bible at all. So really, that is a good question in that regard, and I think the significance of what the Catholic Church stands for, in respect of my book, is that what they offer is a counterfeit version of biblical Christianity. Uh, and when you actually find out what the, is prescribed in the Bible, it is connected with a pattern, which, as you'll, you'll recognize from my book, it's a very simple pattern, 171171. And you can read that backwards, 171171, because it's a symmetrical pattern. Those numbers encompass the straightforward, simple, biblical um, system of religious worship, which is totally rejected by Catholicism, and for which they have uh, substituted their own religion. Uh, that 
pattern is a Bible pattern, and therefore, if like, you're going to show that something exists in the Bible, you have to use material from the Bible. And it just so happens that the abbreviated uh, form of that pattern is 1711, which fits the Genesis grid. So no time to explain all of that in any depth. Suffice it to say that the system of religion promoted by Catholicism is false, mm -hmm. uh, and I reject it just as I, in fact, I reject all religions, uh, but I do believe that I have proved that the Bible was inspired by someone or something, because the grid pattern appears in it 11 times from Genesis to Revelation. You know, most of us, Peter, are, are preoccupied with earning a living. Um, people in the UK and uh, throughout Europe and Canada, the US, went to the Olympics. Uh, our, our, grand, our children, our grandchildren. So how does, a, how does the pattern, or how does a pattern in the Bible affect us or make any difference in our lives? Well, generally it wouldn't, except to say this, the point is that the, the Bible is the most important book in history, I believe, that can be demonstrated. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a lot of people are being killed, actually, even just trying to translate it, never mind anything else. So it is an extremely important book. Now, um, the point is, I would say that the predictive power of that book is astounding. And once you're familiar with the, particularly the second chapter of Daniel and the prediction there about world empires, you realize very quickly that the EU, the emerging EU, which is going to be an enormous empire, very closely predict, uh, matches those predictions. And it really is like a modern equivalent of the Roman Empire. For example, um, I found recently a European think tank it's called the Group on Grand Strategy, GOGS. What they're doing is they are planning an EU-controlled grand area. It stretches from the Arctic down through Central Asia, which would include countries like Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, bordering China, this would be, and then right down into the Middle East, obviously taking in Syria. They have advanced plans for the takeover or influence and control of Syria mm -hmm. after Assad has gone. But this will be an enormous empire stretching out also to North Africa. Now, you remember that the Germans in World War II were very active in North Africa yes. with the yeah. desert rats, you know, and so on. Um, Tunisia was the target, has been the target diplomatically of European initiatives. As I told you, last uh, on that critical date last year, the 29th of the 9th, uh, there was a, rep a, a high representative of the EU going down on that very day to Tunisia to sign deals with them, just as they were signing deals with these other countries I mentioned, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, all bordering China. These countries are the target for a greater EU. So far from the EU withering away, it is, it is, going, it is going to build an enormous empire in that area, right from the top of the earth, right down the middle of Asia and across westwards into North Africa and taking over the Middle East. That's what they're planning. It's absolutely massive, and it fits the description of the Bible. So the point is, here is a war-making machine, and the prediction in the book of Revelation describes it as, it asks the question, the rhetorical question, who can make war with it? You know, who can make war with its power? And it is going to terrorize the world, I'm afraid. Is this going to be a holy war, or is this going to be a war, war strictly on conquering? The prophecies do indicate that Europe will take over the Middle East, including Jerusalem. Ultimately, Jerusalem will be the target, and the Catholic Church will be hand-in-hand in, hand in this process. Um, 
they make no secret that they have already substantial diplomatic and legal powers in Jerusalem over various holy sites. And they are doing deals with the Israelis. The Germans are very, very close to the Israelis. And uh, when you read EU, actually, you should actually put brackets, Germany, close brackets, because Germany is running the EU. And, you know, this is a German-run juggernaut. It is unstoppable. It's like a huge lorry running down a very steep hill. Nobody's going to stop this. This is going to be a German-led, German-run. Eventually, it will become a tyranny. All right, so let me ask you this, Peter. If someone would have had a crystal ball at the end of World War II and seen the power Germany was going to have, do you think that the, the war outcome would have been different? Yes, I think, well, things might have been done differently. You know, Churchill was very in favor of a united Europe. And this was an idea floated around since before World War One. Wow. Uh, by guys who were all Catholics. They were all, to it, to it, they were all Catholics, every single one of them. And most of them were Jesuits as well. Um, but he was in favor of that. And, you know, I don't know why he couldn't see the fact that anything, you know, run by the Pope could be, Dodgy. I mean, in fact, H.G. Wells, the author, was uh, uh, Churchill's Minister of Information briefly during the war, and he asked this question. He said, why not bomb Rome? And that's probably why I didn't stay in the job very long. But, you know, I don't know what the link was between the U.K. and the Vatican, if any, mm-hmm. but uh, Rome always seems to have escaped. But I think that certainly had people realized how dangerous a resurgent Germany would be, uh, they might have done things differently. And Margaret Thatcher asked that question of our Professor Norman Stone in 1990, shortly before losing her job. She looked back on what had happened the year before in, in 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down, and she said to Professor Norman Stone, she called him over to check us for a special chat. And she said, I'm very worried about German unification. He said, oh, you've, you've got nothing to worry about German unification. There's no danger, there's no risk in that whatsoever. Now, that's what he told her 22 years ago. Not looking like that now. It's looking like Germany is a very, very dangerous, out-of-control country that despises the rule of law and uh, which is, is you know, um, going to um, have an incredible impact on the world in years to come and a negative impact, I'm sorry to say. Peter, you and I have to take our commercial break, uh, our final break for this hour. But I, before we go to the break, uh, I'd just like to say it seems to me, Peter, that Hitler was a pawn in this grand scheme. Well, I don't know that you could describe him as a pawn. It depends on your interpretation. But I think if you're going to talk about maybe occult forces and powers, then okay, yeah, maybe he was a pawn, you know, maybe that, that that's a theory mm. that you could advance. But uh, he and Mussolini had that axis together. Uh, that axis lasted 444 weeks, in fact. And the funny thing is, in my book, I do show the triple four pattern in the grid. I compare that to Babylon, the fall of Babylon, the famous writing on the wall in Daniel. That was a triple four pattern. And, of course, the uh, the siege of the Tehran uh, U.S. embassy, that was a 440-day pattern. So you've got the triple four coming up three times in three big turning points in history. Peter, stand by. We've got to take our final break. Peter Wolford is my guest, Exxon Nation, www.genesisgrid.co. UK. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'll be back on the other side of this break with Peter Wolford, the author of The Genesis Grid. Don't go away. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. And welcome back, everyone. Peter Wolford is my special guest this hour. Peter is the author of The Genesis Grid, www.co, I'm sorry, www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's genesisgrid.co. UK. Peter, you're, you're not the first person to claim to have found patterns in the Bible. Were the others wrong, or how is your discovery better? Well, I would uh, point first of all, I think, to the book that came out 12 years ago. Um, this was uh, called The Bible Code, and it was written by a chap called Michael Drosnin, assisted mm-hmm. by a, an Israeli mathematician. Um, a number of mathematicians objected to this book. In fact, they formed a consortium of about 50 international statisticians uh, who got together to oppose him. Uh, some of them were Bible-believing types who actually were, you know, were Jews and believed in the Torah, the sure. five books of the Bible. Um, they weren't opposing him because of that. They were opposing him because they felt his claims were false. And what they said was, look, you found certain patterns. We could find the same patterns in any book. We could find them in Moby Dick. And he said, well, go on, do it then. <laughs> so they did. Uh, they did find the same sort of patterns. And the sort of patterns he was finding were things like, for example, he'd find that he'd get computers to jumble all the, the letters around, and then there would be something like a, a tower falling would come out. You say, oh, well, that's very topical, a tower falling, you see. But then a leader gets killed. It might have been Prime Minister Rabin was one he talked about a lot. Um, and um, But the, the conclusion was that, in fact, all he was doing was just cherry-picking the most... Uh, topical and interesting things and showing, well, this one points to that one across the page and this one's diagonal in direction of that one across the page. But at the end of the day, it was all a lot of hot air and it didn't amount to anything. Um, That's the exact opposite of anything that I've done because what I did was I stumbled upon a very small, very tight, little simple pattern uh, which is marked out in the heavens by the sun and the moon and the way they move around the uh, the moon, the earth and the moon, the way they move around the sun. It's a very simple pattern. It can be shown that it is clearly and indelibly stamped on the Bible. In is is it possible then, Peter, the Holy Trinity isn't the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but the, the Holy Trinity in actuality is the sun, the moon, and the earth? Uh, well, I don't think so. And in fact, what I've shown is that uh, the very thing that the theologian Bullinger discovered 100 years ago, that the two leading personalities, the Father mm-hmm. and the Son, of the Bible are tagged with the numbers 11 and 7. But this Trinitarian concept is not biblical, and in fact this this phenomenon that the Bible mentions as a spirit, um, Bullinger never went there. He never investigated hmm. it, because I think that he had the Trinitarian, he was afraid that his views would not be supported. When I investigated it, I found that in fact the word the Holy Spirit expression occurs 308 times in the entirety of the Bible, which was an exact match with derivative numbers from the grid, and it's not possible to really explain that in any greater depth. Suffice it to say that it was obvious that the identity number for that phenomenon was one 
uh, and as one is not a prime number, um, it was not part of any Trinitarian set. So the, 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 uh, the, the Genesis grid pattern contradicts the idea of a trinity uh, just uh, as does the Bible itself. Peter, I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I want to thank you ever so much for joining me, my good friend. Uh, I know the Exonation Nation loves hearing from you. And once again, congratulations, Grandpa. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Peter Bye. Peter Wolford has been my guest this hour. We'll have Peter back in the future. He's a great guy and a good friend. His book is The Genesis Grid. His website, www.genesisgrid.co.uk. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past as we continue here in the X Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell.